certainly a blessing to be back tonight with you. And we love your church and your pastor and his wife. And uh, we love Daniel and his family. And we're so thankful for the privilege to be here. And look forward to sharing God's word with you tonight. And your Bibles, if you turn with me this evening to Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter number 16. And as the Lord leads at Chilhowee Baptist Church, I'm preaching through the book of Matthew. And I'm having a great time there verse by verse, section by section, and uh, it's so exciting to see what God has in His Word. Uh, I don't know if you're like me, but as many times I've read through the book of Matthew, it seems like every time I do it again, something else jumps off the page. That's one of the glorious things about being able to read a book in the presence of the author. And every time I read the Bible, I have the presence of God with me. And the, the author, who perfectly inspired His Word, as you read His Word and pray, He'll whisper in your ears and He'll show you things that will help you and encourage you. And God showed me something that has helped me in uh, the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, and we'll begin our reading in verse number 13. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. The Bible says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that... I, the Son of Man, am. And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Will you pay close attention to verse number 17 with me tonight? The Bible says after Peter gives his glorious statement of faith, Jesus looks right at Peter and he says, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. In my Bible, I've circled these words, Blessed art thou. And I'll just tell you, there's two ways to pronounce the same word, blessed and blessed. And if you'll forgive me, I'll say it probably different every time. But I mean the same word. How many of you read that and you say, Blessed. Uh, so how many of you read that and say blessed and uh, I don't know it just depends on how you've heard it and I've heard so much preaching in my short life that I say it both ways and so I'm going to say it both ways tonight but it means the same thing uh, the Bible says blessed blessed what's the word blessed mean it literally means happy now not the kind of happy that is shallow and rooted in what is happening but it is Heaven happy. Uh, the kind of happy, satisfied, blessed that only God can give. And I'll just tell you something. We live in a world of people who are searching for happiness. And they're looking to be happy. And I can't help but think that at this moment, at this scene, you see it with me? Jesus speaking to His disciples, He says, I don't mean any disrespect, but I always for some reason refer to the disciples as hey boys. 
How many of you, you have friends and uh, it's the guys? Hey, boys. And I, I do that occasionally. Someone reprimanded me one time for calling them boys. And I said, I, said, I don't mean any disrespect. That's, how I'd, that's what I'd say about any group of guys. At any rate, I can just see it. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, Hey, boys, listen. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, somebody in the crowd spoke up and said, Well, uh, you know, let me think about it here. Well, some people say you're like Jeremiah. Some people say you're like Elijah. Some people say you're like John the Baptist. And others say well, you're just one of the, you're one, a prophet. And all those things were positive, but Jesus says, wait, all right. Who do you say that I am? Peter speaks up. Peter speaks up and he says, well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, cha-ching, you got it. You hit it right on the head. Peter, you've obeyed the Spirit of God. You've been taught by the Spirit of God. And you've come up with the perfect answer. The right answer. He says, you're right. And he said, Peter, in this setting, at this moment, you're blessed. You're happy. Heaven happy. You have peace in your heart and satisfaction. At that moment, I would like to have a picture. If you could get a picture of the contents of Peter's emotion and Peter's heart and Peter's demeanor, if you could somehow have a portrait of that. It is exactly what all of us and all of society and all of humanity for all of time has been searching for, blessing from God, satisfaction, happiness. Jesus looked at him and said, Boom! Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. You know what? I want to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy. But folks are looking in all the wrong places for happiness. So many people are looking for happiness in materialism. How many of you have ever yearned for something and you got it? And you found out it didn't make you as happy as you thought it might? Let's talk about boats today. Now I have nothing against boats. I like to bass fish. I'm an outdoorsman. I like to be outside. I love to bass fish. I love it. And I wouldn't mind having a bass boat. But we were talking about boats the other day. There have been folks who have just yearned for a boat all their life. I heard about the best two days in, the, in a boat owner's life. The day they bought it and the day they sold it. You get something and you find out that, huh, wow, it didn't make me as happy as I thought it would. It may last a minute. I've met people who have yearned after companionship or someone to fill a void in their life and they fight for them and call for them and marry them and all of a sudden man she didn't make me as happy as I thought she would and he didn't make me as happy as I thought he would you know how that works right happy Eddie Murphy said you know who Eddie Murphy is Eddie Murphy said, I can have everything I want, but I'm not happy. Why am I not happy? I'll tell you. 
Because he wasn't happy in Jesus. I'll have you know something. Like the disciples in the ship last night, if you can't get happy in a storm, if you can't get happy when things aren't going perfect, if you can't get happy when you don't have everything you'd like to have, if you can't get happy when your knees hurt and your back aches, your belt's too tight, etc., 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 if you can't get happy in an imperfect situation, you won't get happy when it gets as perfect as you think it can get. Because all of us have a God-sized void in our souls and there's only one thing that can fill it and make us complete and whole and happy, blessed. And that is God Almighty. Faith in His dear Son, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, and the indwelling fullness of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, God. Folks, I want you to know something. If you're going to be blessed, if you're going to have that picture, when Jesus looks at Peter and says, you're happy, you're blessed. If you're going to have it, you're only going to get it one place, and that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight's message is simply titled, Blessed. Blessed. I want to be blessed. And I want to know how to be blessed. I want to know how to be blessed. I want to be happy. And I believe in the Bible we have a beautiful opportunity to see what it means and what it takes to be truly blessed, happy in the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing I want to bring to your attention tonight is this. Number one, Peter knew who Jesus was. Peter knew who Jesus was. Uh, the, the key, and it's no secret to being happy, is to know who Jesus is. Let's look at the text together tonight. Verse number 13. The Bible says, When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, Jesus asked these questions, and we'll see a few times in this passage of Scripture that the Lord Jesus uses His words very wisely, and He uses His words perfectly, of course, and he uses some word pictures and he sets this question up just right. He is presenting himself as the Son of Man, which he is. But he's also the Son of God. And so he asks the question, he looks at the side and he says, Now, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, he is declaring himself man. He never denied one moment that he was a man in his ministry. He was a man. He was born of his mother Mary. But he never denied one time and often exclaimed and proclaimed that he was also deity. The Bible says in Jesus speaking, he said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? What was he highlighting and emphasizing? His manhood. The fact that he was flesh. He was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. And Peter, when he gives his great response to the Christ, the Bible says in verse number 16, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What did, what did Peter say? Jesus said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He says, I'm, the, I'm a man. And Peter's understanding, and he's beginning to see it. He's beginning to see more clearly the Christ. And in the days that lie ahead, he'll have a few ups and downs. How many of your Christian life you had ups and downs? 
And Peter will have some more. But at this moment, he sees Christ for who he is. He says, he is a man, but he says, thou art the son of the living God. He says, you're not only a man, you're God. And Peter said amen to what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter number 9 and verse number 6. I want to read it to you. I didn't mark it in my Bible. I should have. But I want to read it to you. You may want to look at it with me. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. It's a glorious prophecy of the birth of Christ from the prophet Isaiah. The Bible says in Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What's it say? For unto us a child is born. Man, it's a beautiful picture and a moment to think about that moment when Jesus the Christ was born in Bethlehem to His mother Mary, conceived the Holy Ghost. And He breathed His first breath on earth just like all other babies did. But He was not just any baby. He was the man-child, Jesus Christ. And He was promised to come. He was the Messiah. Now, He was a man though. For unto us a child is born. The child was born in Bethlehem's manger to his mother Mary. Then the Bible says, unto us a son is given. Mary gave birth to the man-child Jesus. But the Bible says, unto us a son was given. And the Bible teaches us in John chapter 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. What's that verse attest to? It attests to the fact that he was a man. He was all man and he was all God. He is the man, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter testified to this fact. I like this. It helps me to see what's going on. Do you remember when Jesus... Was uh, he had slipped away at 12 years old from his parents and was asking questions and he was talking back and forth with folks in the temple. You remember that story? You remember when, when Jesus did that? I can just imagine that and we're going to use a little bit of uh, imagination and sanctified imagination taking no extra liberty. But I can just imagine this question coming up. I mean, the Bible says that they're, they're really just amazed by him. Uh, I, I want to say bum-fuzzled, but I don't think that's in the Bible. Uh, you, know, have you, you know what bum-fuzzled is? He was... They were bumfuzzled by Jesus, there's no doubt about it. He was just so smart. I can just imagine them asking Jesus at 12 years old and saying, Now, son, how old are you? He could have accurately answered just like this. Well, on my mother's side, I'm 12 years old. But on my father's side, I'm older than my mother and just as old as my father. Say that again, boy. <laughs> Well, on my mother's side, I'm 12. Remember, he was born 12 years ago in Bethlehem. But on my daddy's side, who gave me to be the salvation and the Savior of the world, on my dad's side, he said, you know, I'm older than my mom, and I'm just as old as my dad. I'm eternally existent. You see, on his mother's side, he was thirsty. But on his father's side, he was the water of life. On his mother's side, he was hungry. But on his father's side, he took a little lad's lunch and broke it into pieces and blessed it and fed 5,000. On his mother's side, he was homeless. But on his father's side, he owned the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. On his father's side, mother's side, I'm sorry, he wept at Lazarus' grave. You see him? 
the man. But on his father's side, he stood outside that grave and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Folks, I want you to know something. You know what will make you happy? When you get to the place where you know who Jesus is. You know who Jesus is. Do you know what Peter confessed? He says, you are the God-man, Jesus Christ. We know who Jesus is. It doesn't stop there. Look at what the Bible says back in our text in Matthew chapter number 16. In Matthew chapter 16, the Bible says that in this text, Jesus asks, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? Verse 14, They said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elias, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, I want you to know that when they said this, this was not something that was meant to be demeaning to Jesus Christ. He said, what do people say? What do people say? And it was a, it was, it was a, it was a courtesy, and it was, it was a compliment. It's what it was intended to be. Uh, the, the people around, he said, what do people say that I am? And the disciples, well, you know, I heard somebody say, you're like John the Baptist. Well, that's, that's great. God used John the Baptist to do some great things, right? If you can be liking a John, that's really nice. That's good. And somebody asked me, about, my turn, my turn. I heard somebody say, you're like Elijah. Man, what a prophet of God. A man of miracles and power and blessing. You're like Elijah. That's good. And I mean, that's, that's kind. That's a kind thing to say. And you're like Elijah. Somebody else said, I heard somebody say, you're like Jeremiah. They saw you weeping the other day. You're like Jeremiah. They saw you uh, with a broken heart and compassion and a burden. Said, you're like Jeremiah, and, and that was a nice thing to say. Somebody else said, you know, you're like one of the prophets. You know, maybe you are a prophet. But I want you to know something. Just esteeming Jesus to a role of really good, really great, really smart, is not good enough. You see, it wasn't sufficient to say, that he's like John the Baptist. John the Baptist had no ministry at all, was it not for the fact that he was the precursor and he was proclaiming the fact that there was a Messiah, somebody that could actually pay the price for our sins forever on the cross. It's not good enough to say Jesus is like John the Baptist. That's kind. It's not good enough. It's not good enough to say Jesus is like Elijah. It's not good enough to equate Jesus to somebody like Jeremiah. It's not good enough to say Jesus is a prophet. Now you may be well-intentioned and say, you know, he's a great guy. But that's not good enough. That's not good enough. And you may be the kind of person who says, you know, I go to church because, you know, Jesus really, he's something special. And I, I you know, I do religious things because... You know, Jesus, you know, there's something about Him. You know, I, I believe that, you know, Jesus was a good man and He preached love and helped people. Folks, I want you to know something. To esteem Jesus to greatness is not good enough. You see, if you're going to be happy, you're going to have to know who Jesus really is. And Peter... In response to that, when Jesus looked at him and said, Okay, whom do ye say that I am? You see, what everybody else has to say about Jesus doesn't matter either. 
What you have to say about Jesus in your own heart and your own life is what matters the most. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Yeah, but what do you say? And Peter answered, Right, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Hey, you're the Christ. You're better than John the Baptist. You're better than Elijah. You are greater than Jeremiah. You are greater than a prophet. You're not just a prophet. You're the prophet, priest, and king, the anointed and appointed lion of the tribe of Judah. You are the Messiah. You're the only person that can pay the price for our sins on the cross of Calvary. You are the Christ. You're the only hope that any person has for everlasting life. You're my Lord. When Peter looked at him and said, Thou art the Christ. You know what he said? He put him on the throne of Israel. There was nothing greater ever possible on the, in Israel or in Jewish history than the man Christ Jesus. He says, You're the Christ. And then he said, You're the Son of the living God. He said, You're the Son of God. If you're the Son of God, what do you not have? What authority do you not have? None. He put him on the throne of Israel. And Peter, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, put Jesus on the throne of the universe. You are the Son of the living God. Folks, I want you to know something. If you're going to be happy, just like Peter put Jesus on the throne, you must also put Jesus on the throne of your heart. You must bow to Him as Lord and King. I know the last time I was here I went through this, but I want to go through it again. Here it is. The proper title, the Jesus Christ, is Jesus Christ our Lord. The whole world believes in Jesus. We order our days by Jesus. This is the year of our Lord, 2019. Anywhere you go on this planet, who set the calendar? Jesus the whole world believes in Jesus. You can't deny that Jesus made some kind of impact on this world a little over 2,000 years ago. It's undeniable. Everybody believes in Jesus. But the crowd dwindles significantly when you put Him in His proper place. Jesus Christ. You see, when we believe that He is the Christ, we believe that He is the only way of salvation. We believe what He says when He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. The Christ. It was when I realized that Jesus was the Christ who paid the price for my sins that I was able as an eight-year-old boy to bow and accept the free gift of salvation and get born again, saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you have a Lord, what's that make you? Servant. If you have a Lord, you are a servant. You, we, you know, we should determine to be faithful servants of the Lord. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did Peter proclaim that day? He says, Thou art the Christ. You sit on the throne of Israel, the Son of the living God. You sit on the throne of the universe. And Peter was just declaring him, You're the Lord. You're the Lord. 
You're the Lord. He said, you're the king of the universe, and I trust in you. I'll tell you something. When you know who Jesus is, and you become an obedient servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's it mean to be an obedient servant? The things that you know that your master wants, you do them. The things that you know your master does not want, you don't do them. The things you know that please your master, you yearn to complete them. That's what it means to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to know who Jesus is. Why was Jesus able to look at Peter and say, (laughs) you are blessed. Why was it? Because he knew who Jesus was. I like what Jesus concludes this conversation with in verse number 17. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Have you ever wondered what that means? Simon, the son of Jonah. We know from Luke chapter number 1 that Simon's daddy's name was Jonah. And when Peter describes and proclaims to the Lord Jesus, he looks at Jesus and he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answers and says, That's right, Simon Bar-Jonah, the son of Jonah. He said, As much as you're the son of Jonah, I am the son of God. As much as you are the son of Jonah, I am the son of God, and you can trust in me. How can I be happy? I can be happy when I know who Jesus is. I need to make Him Lord and Savior and King. Blessed. Number two, blessed. How can I be happy? Peter was blessed because he was instructed by God. He was blessed because he was instructed by God. Now look what Jesus says very plainly in verse number 17. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. How was he instructed? By God. Peter was happy because he was being instructed by God. And Jesus makes it very plain. He says, you're happy because flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you. How many of you have allowed your flesh and blood to cause you some grief? (laughs) Uh, How many of you have ever... Uh, kicked your tongue in gear before your brain had a chance to engage. Yeah, flesh and blood. How many of you ever allowed flesh and blood to rule in your heart where Jesus was supposed to be the Lord and you get a little mad? I don't know if this is a good word or right word or not, but you get a little madder. Madder. Madder, 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 madder. That's flesh and blood, right? How many of you have allowed flesh and blood to cause you to be impulsive and buy something you shouldn't have? How many of you have allowed flesh and blood to rule in your heart and life and flesh and blood has really led you astray? Well, I'll tell you something. If you anchor your soul in your flesh and blood, you are going to be one miserable person. Our church is full of miserable people. Why? Flesh and blood. 
Our society is full of miserable people. Why? Flesh and blood. What made Peter happy? Jesus says, hey, you are blessed. And he doesn't stop there. He says, you're blessed because flesh and blood is not revealed unto you. But my Father which is in heaven. What did he do? He became, he, Peter became subservient, which is good, to the Word of God. To the Spirit of God. To the moving of the Spirit of God in his heart and life. He became obedient to God. And you know what God said that would do? It would make you happy. I'll tell you, I don't wear one, but I understand the principle. And I know there's some controversy around the book that started the What Would Jesus Do movement. But I'll have you know something. If you'll live your life and make decisions thinking about what would Jesus do, what would it matter to God? What, what would God do? What, Lord, what do you want me to do? If you'd live your life like that saying, Hey, look, I need just a moment before I react because I've got to talk to my master about this situation. So if you'd just give me a second, Lord, what do I do? I'll tell you what, if you take this second and say, Lord, what would I do? The person you're talking to make you crazy, but it'd be worth it. Because God's going to give you wisdom. About the time you're ready to blow up at home, hold on a second. I'm not in charge here. Let me talk to my master. Lord, help. I'm telling you, if you get the place where you act and react and speak and love and pray and live consciously in the presence of God, your master, and you operate according to the will of God, and you allow yourself to be instructed by God, when God's Word says yes, you say yes. When God's Word says go, you say go. When God's Word says no, you say uh-uh. I ain't doing it. If you become obedient to the Lord and instructed by God, guess what's going to happen? God's going to be able to say of you, hey, you are blessed. And you're going to be able to say, hallelujah, I'm blessed. I'm happy. So many people have taken something into their soul and into their heart and into their life that was, so, that was against God and it's ruined their happiness. And a lot of the time it's something that the devil's deceived them and told them that would make them happy. I'll tell you how to be happy. Know who Jesus is. I'll tell you how to be happy. Be instructed by God. Thirdly, Peter was happy because he was introduced to the church. Peter's happy because he's introduced to the church. Now look at this. There's no coincidence that this is introduced at this moment. The Bible says in verse number 18, Jesus speaking, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, there's some confusion in this verse, and I'll have you know that Peter is not the rock on which the church was built. And when Jesus was talking here, the people that were listening, specifically his disciples, would have clearly understood what was going on here. The name Peter literally means Petro. It's a, it's a Greek word, Petros, Peter, Petros. And Peter is a stone. 
It's not something that's anchored and rooted. It's a stone. It's something you'd build with, but not something you'd build on. And so, when Jesus looked at Peter, just like Jesus said, Hey, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He was looking for, Thou art the Son of God. And just the way He used that kind of difference in words, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Hey, stone. Building stone. Peter. Building stone. Thou art Peter, building stone. And upon this rock, Petra. Rock, anchor, foundation, cornerstone. I will build my church. I will build my church. This would have been common understanding because... The disciples and Christ alike were familiar with the passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy 32.4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. They were familiar with Psalm 18.2 when the Bible says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress. And Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6, 7, and 8, we won't turn there tonight, he makes it very plain that he is not the rock on which the church is built, but that he has the opportunity to be a stone built on this cornerstone that was rejected, but has become the chief cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. I will build my church. What's this mean for me? Well, it's a wonderful thing to know that Jesus is the core of the church. Why am I not happy? I'll tell you something that makes Christian people unhappy faster than anything else. It's when they get out of fellowship with their church. You get out of fellowship with your church, and you are very unhappy. You get to the place where you're that person who airs their grievance with everybody but somebody that can make a difference. You get to the place in a church where you are that person that is just upset about everything, aggravated every time you walk in the door. No unity, no forgiveness. The church. Hey, what's church all about? Is church all about... I love the color of your carpet, by the way. Is church all about the color of the carpet? The temperature that the thermostat set on? The most fought over point in all Baptist churches? I was just a very young pastor. I still am. But I was a lot younger when I started. You can just imagine. I've been pastoring for 11 years. I started when I was 26. Too young to know better, I guess. It was wonderful, but I remember I heard this preacher talk about how to deal with the thermostat because I had people on my case. I had this group of people was hot and this group of people was cold and they were scattered all over the auditorium. And so one night I said, now look guys, I'm trying my best to get all the, get the thermostat thing worked out. And I know some of you are uncomfortable. I said, if you're hot, would you please raise your hand? And hands raised all over the auditorium. I said, okay, thank you. You can put your hands down. I said, all right. All of you who are cold, would you please put your hand up? There's about the same amount of people all over the unit, all over the auditorium, and they were cold. I said, here's what we're going to have to do. Y'all guys, if y'all just switch places, then we could probably get this worked out. <laughs> Church problems. Church problems. The Bible teaches that we're to move forward in unity. It's not about little hairy details of preference. It's about a group of baptized believers joining themselves together, holding up the truth, the pillar and ground of truth, and reaching into all the world to preach the gospel starting right here in Kingsport. And I'll tell you something. 
If you'll become a forgiving, patient, satisfied, loving, faithful member of your church, you will find yourself happy. Happy. Peter was blessed. Jesus introduced him to the church. I'll tell you something, the church, a Bible-believing church is the greatest asset that any person has. I don't know how marriages survive without churches. And I'll just be honest with you, I've been pastoring one for a long time, and I was a youth pastor for a long time before that, and I was singing in one before that. I don't know how I would have ever made it without my church. I'll testify to you tonight, if it were not for the youth ministry, the Chilhowee Baptist Church, I'd probably be strung out on drugs somewhere or dead. But God raised up a group of church people who are willing to deal with the problems, willing to forgive one another, and they made an investment in my life. And I'm so thankful. And there are Cody Sturgills all over this neighborhood and this city that need this church. They're all over. I'm a, I'm a product of an imperfect church. But I'm the product of a church and a group of people who said, you know what? We're going to give what needs to be given. We're going to do what needs to be done. And we're going to, as faithfully as we know how, we're going to serve Jesus as a church, a group of people. And we're going to pour ourselves into others. Others, others, others. It was the introduction of the church that made Jesus able to say, Hey, Peter, you are one blessed man. If you have a church with a pastor that loves you, is trying hard, preaches the Bible, you're blessed. You are blessed. And you have the opportunity to see the blessing of God in your heart and life. And you know what we need to do? We need to get to the place where we realize what we got instead of being upset about what we don't have. And that makes you happy and everybody around you happy. And God's able to say, hey, you're blessed. Why was Peter blessed? Peter knew who Jesus was. That's first and foremost. He knew who Jesus was and he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Why was Peter happy? Because he was willing to be submissive and instructed by God. Flesh and blood have not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Why was Peter able to be happy? Because he was introduced to the church. Peter, little rock, I'm going to build my church on the big rock. Myself, the God-man. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What's our problem? You know what the devil likes to do? He loves to get us fighting one another. But the Bible says, and Peter spoke it, and he understood very well. Peter said, hey, it's not about people. That's not the problem. And the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And Jesus said, hey, you got a church, you can stand against the gates of hell. All that the devil wants to bring at us, all the devil wants to do to destroy society, God has said, I've given you something that will help you, the church. Guess what? We can be blessed. Why? How? 
if we're introduced properly to the church. The Bible says, and Jesus said it, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Blessed art thou. I'm so thankful I have the opportunity to be happy. But I'm only going to be happy as long as I'm obedient to my faithful, loving, glorious Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes?